Good Christian friends, rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Give you heed to what we say. Jesus Christ is born today. Ox and ass before him bow, but he is in the manger now. Christ is born today. Christ is born today. But Jesus does not stay in the manger very long. Or maybe it only seems that way because of the quick cutting done by Luke. We first meet Jesus when he's lying in the manger with angels singing and shepherds waiting. Then Jesus is eight days old and being circumcised and given his rightful name. Then Jesus is a bit older and is being taken to the temple for dedication, where he and his parents meet Simeon and Anna, prophets who make the most alarming claims on the infant Jesus. And then back to Nazareth we go, where Luke tells us Jesus grew and became strong and filled with wisdom because the favor of God was upon him. And then we come to today's text. Jesus and his parents are back in Jerusalem for the Passover. He's now a 12-year-old, a pre-adolescent, a precocious pre-adolescent. And then before you know it, the festival's over, and it's time to go home to Nazareth. Mary and Joseph were apparently still innocent parents, the kind of innocent parents who make assumptions regarding their child's whereabouts, the kind of innocent parents who trust their child to follow along, if only at a distance. Perhaps wise enough to know that a 12-year-old boy may prefer someone else's company to their own. Wise enough to be aware of the pack mentality of pre-teens who find themselves in the finding of their friends and their enemies. It was easy for them to assume that Jesus was walking with Benjamin and Reuben and Esther and Phoebe. Nothing to worry about. They'd made this journey every year since his birth and without a hitch. There was a whole community to watch out for their son. Nothing to worry about at all. He was not right beside them, but he was walking with them all the same. They had no doubts about that. And so Mary and Joseph, in the last 24 hours of their innocence, walked toward home. But Jesus stayed behind. Well, throughout this season, we have described Advent by using the word journey, that good old new Mennonite favorite that we've adopted in place of older words like discipleship. And journey is a good word, I think, because it references the basic fact of our faith, that it's all about movement, movement away from something, movement towards something else, or moving away from sin and moving toward holiness, moving away from Satan and moving toward Jesus the Christ. Journey language points to that movement, that restlessness, that I think is central to our faith. Since the day of Father Abraham and Mother Sarah, God has been calling us to pick up and follow, to walk, to pile our families and our stuff in the old caravan and head off to parts unknown to everyone but the God who was doing the calling and the leading. And the adult Jesus makes the same claims on his disciples. Drop your nets, your tax-collecting gear, leave your dead, defend for themselves, and follow me. Journey is a good word to describe what we do when we live in faith. Now, a peculiarity of the Christian journey is that its beginning and its ending are one and the same. Our journey begins with Christ calling us from wherever we had been, by the lakeside, in the tax collector's booth, 
in the graveyard all wrapped up in chains by the Samaritan well, lying neglected and sick unto death by the wayside, up a sycamore tree, standing in a circle of condemning men, on the road to Damascus, in whatever dark and secret place held us captive, altogether lost and perhaps not even knowing it. Christ calls to us wherever we are and says, follow me. And so the beginning leads us to the ending. Christ leads us to Christ. The journey is from Christ to Christ. The life of faith, I think, can be described as a looking for, a following after, a searching for Jesus. Were we left to our own devices, we might find the journey to be impossible, the search to be in vain, the looking going on forever without ever finding. But thanks be to God, the one who calls us, whose call got us up and walking, is faithfully leading us ever closer to himself. Christ not only calls us to follow, but faithfully leads us all the way to the one who sent Christ to us in the first place. And so our annual Advent pilgrimage, on which we revisit old paths and walk familiar highways and move toward a destination we visited many, many times before, a stable in Bethlehem, and two weary and bewildered parents and a baby in a manger and angels whooping it up in heaven and some grubby, bleary-eyed shepherds keeping watch. We keep walking back to that place we've been to before until we recognize that the Advent journey is only smaller, perhaps more manageable, certainly more predictable version of the larger lifelong journey of faith, a walking again and again and again toward the place where Jesus is, counting on the fact that when we get there, Christ will be there waiting, and that it is Christ who leads us there and sees to it that we make it all the way. And speaking of walking, by this time, dear Mary and Joseph are a full day out of Jerusalem on their way back home, and they start to settle down for the night, maybe prepare a bit of supper. Then Mary or Joseph, one or the other, wonders aloud, where is that boy? And they start to look for Jesus. Well, they check in with close family first, the people most likely to have been keeping an eye on that precocious son of Mary. Have they seen Jesus lately? They all say, no, we've not seen Jesus lately. Well, then they move on to the various cousins and second cousins and cousins once or twice or thrice removed. Have they seen Jesus lately? They all say, no, we have not seen Jesus lately. Then, and a bit more desperately now, they find the various parents of the kids that Jesus likes to hang with, the parents of that wise guy Benjamin and that know-it-all Reuben and that Esther who seems lighter than air and Phoebe with the eyes that look right through you. Have they seen Jesus lately? And the parents and their children all reply, no, we have not seen Jesus lately. And then the panic sets in. What began as mild annoyance and then shifted to full-on parental irritation and then wait till we get you home, young man, has now become fear. Where is our son? Where is Jesus? Well, then Benjamin or maybe Esther speaks up and says that they sort of remember seeing Jesus back in Jerusalem and that he maybe did seem kind of shifty 
or maybe not shifty but elusive, or maybe not elusive but vague about his intentions to maybe not join the, go- the gang on the walk back to Nazareth because well, maybe he had some other business to attend to, but what business could a 12-year-old have to attend to anyway? So we thought he was just being snobby, but maybe he decided to stay behind Jerusalem. And oh yeah, that's actually what we think he did. So you might want to turn around and go back to town and look from there, look for Jesus there. Yeah, that's what we think you ought to do. If you want to find your son, that's where we think you'll find him, back where you came from. And after resisting the understandable impulse to give dear Benjamin or faithful Esther a not-so-gentle swat on the back of the head, Mary and Joseph grabbed their things and hightail it back to Jerusalem to search for their son. They went back where they came from to search for Jesus. Well, one of the readings that Pastor Sue selected for our longest night service uh, held this past Monday evening was a text from Exodus chapter 13. And that text describes the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire that God would use to guide the Israelites from captivity in Egypt and onto the promised land. God considers leading the people on a straight line from Egypt to Canaan. But that straight line, God realizes, would take the people awfully close to Philistine territory. And God worries that if the people are confronted by the possibility of war with the Philistines, they may decide to turn back for Egypt. And so there's this lovely verse, verse 18 in Exodus 13, which is not one of the scripture readings for this morning. Anyways, so, says verse 18, God led the people by the roundabout way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Isn't that lovely? God led the people by the roundabout way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Well, that verse came to mind as I was reflecting on Mary and Joseph's frantic search for their lost son and our own often equally frantic searching after Jesus. We know there is someone or something out there toward which we journey, some better thing, some better place, someone with whom we seek communion, Jesus, whose love has saved us and made it possible for us to love in return, Jesus, whose love has created within us a restlessness, a journeying spirit, a calling to stay on the move, to keep walking the path, to keep following after the one whose call set us walking in the first place. And wouldn't it be nice if that journey were in the form of a simple straight line, point A to point B, once and done, no turning back, no sidetracking, no getting lost or tangled up or otherwise confronting our own human weaknesses for, well, those bright, shiny things we see out of the corners of our eyes, those those small and large temptations which threaten to derail our journey over and over and over again. We'd prefer not to wake up some morning to find ourselves dancing around a golden calf at the very foot of God's holy mountain. We'd prefer not to deny any knowledge of the Christ as we stand around a charcoal fire attempting to blend back into our old surroundings. I mean, wouldn't it be nice, wouldn't it be nice if once we stood up at Jesus' call, wouldn't it be nice if from that moment forward our feet barely touched the ground and we were transported ecstatically right into heaven? Wouldn't it be nice if we could abandon our flesh and our human nature, our frailty and vanity and tendency to wander? Wouldn't it be nice if we could simply leap into God's arms and be carried on home? Well, the answer is obvious. It sure would. It sure would be nice. I mean, who wouldn't want to skip the hard part 
Who wouldn't want to skip the stumbling and the sweating and the heartache and the broken promises and the 491st apology and just go right on through to eternal bliss? But God has chosen for us a different path. God has chosen to lead us on the roundabout way of the wilderness. And God has chosen that roundabout way for our benefit. The journey of faith, it seems to me, is a roundabout way. And I'm pretty confident we can all attest to that fact. Jesus calls us, we get up to follow, and the journey from there is full of adventure. And there are moments, there are moments, thanks be to God, of great peace. Times when we are as aware of Christ before us as we would be of a pillar of fire against the nighttime sky. Bright and clear and obvious, a joy to follow. But there are other times, times for when for the life of us we cannot find Jesus. We trust that Christ is out there in front of us, but the clouds in our own minds make it harder to see that pillar of cloud in front of us. We get all befogged with doubt. We worry that we're wandering aimlessly, and we fear getting lost, or worse, we fear being abandoned along the side of the road. And so it goes. So it goes for us journeying pilgrims. So it goes for us disciples. The path before us, the journey of faith, is the roundabout way of the wilderness. Like our Hebrew ancestors, we can describe our roundabout journey as being God's own plan for us. Or we can, as we are prone to do these days, simply say that it's just the way the world works. Either way, our journey from Christ to Christ is, in my experience at least, a roundabout way. But notice one last thing before we leave this little roundabout sermonic rabbit trail. Four little words which make the roundabout way something to be embraced and not feared. Four little words which reveal everything we need to know about the path ahead of us. Four little words which make sense not only of our Advent journey, but also of the larger journey of faith. Four little words which make plain that our journey is neither hopeless nor in vain. Four little words which guarantee that we will one day arrive at the journey's end. Those four words are, God led the people. Well, we know the rest of the story. Mary and Joseph came flying into Jerusalem. They retraced their steps over and over again. They searched for their son. They searched for Jesus everywhere, in the markets, in the homes of old friends, in the homes of complete strangers. Maybe they even asked a passing centurion. They looked high and low for Jesus. They looked for Jesus for three days, three days, a lifetime or two. For any parent in such circumstances, we can only imagine the worry, the fear, the panic, the dread. Would they ever see Jesus again? Or was he lost to them forever? Well, then they decided to try the temple. Perhaps they'd almost given up and were going to pray and offer a sacrifice of petition. Or maybe they figured, well, we've tried everywhere else. Let's go see the temple. Or maybe some kind angel or the Spirit of God took them by the hands and led them in some roundabout way to the temple. And and there they found their son. There they found Jesus. And we'll leave them there, teary-eyed, no doubt, caught somewhere between fury and relief. Their son's words that likely warmed their hearts and broke them at the same time 
Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Words that, using our modern lingo, defined Jesus over against his parents, differentiation being a necessary, though painful, process, especially for the ones being differentiated against. No longer just their son, in other words. No longer just their Jesus. But a Jesus belonging first and always to God. A Jesus then given by God to all. It's too big. It's too big. It's too big for Mary and Joseph. And so they just gather their son to themselves and start walking back to Nazareth. And Mary treasured all those things in her heart. Well, sisters and brothers, our Advent journey is over. This is where you say, thanks be to God, or hallelujah, or isn't that cool, or sweet, or something. (laughs) Sisters and brothers, our Advent journey is over. There you go. Christ has been sweet. Good one. Christ has been born. Our Advent journey is ended. But the larger journey, the journey from Christ to Christ, that journey continues. And for most of it, is, it is us, it is a very roundabout journey indeed. It's my hope that we can perhaps find some small consolation in this gospel lesson for today. Jesus' own parents lost track of him. Even they had to search. Even they had to seek. Even they had to look for Jesus. Their search took them all over the pilgrim camp and then back to the big city and then over every last block of that city until they finally found Jesus in the temple. A roundabout way indeed. But one which did finally lead them to the one they were seeking. Their journey did finally lead them to Jesus. The journey of faith is just that. We Mennonites have got it right for a change. How about that? The journey of faith is just that. It's a journey. It begins with Christ and our ascent to his call to come and follow, and it ends in Christ when we find ourselves with Christ in the very presence of God. But in between is where we live, and that in between is made up of an awful lot of walking, a lot of journeying, a constant movement, the restless but purposeful walking of a people bound for something and led by someone through the dark of night and through the brightness of the day, led through the wilderness, led on a roundabout way by God's own self. And so though our journey is roundabout, and though it is often hard, and though it many times seems to be leading us nowhere, we keep walking, we keep following, we keep trusting that the Christ who called us is out there in front of us, leading, calling, guiding, correcting, and as often as need be, coming back for us when we wander off the path. Always, always bound and determined to see that we make it home. Always, always bound and determined that what began in Christ will end in Christ. Always, always bound and determined that our search for Jesus will not be in vain. That we will one day meet him and find ourselves telling him how anxious we were in our searching for him. And then Jesus will remind us that he was always exactly where he was meant to be waiting there for us to find him, confident that God's own spirit would lead us well. And so we will find ourselves at last and forever home. Thanks be to God. Amen.